book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 20. We're going to stand together in just a few moments. I want to share with you a message entitled, Honoring Your Father and Mother, a simple principle with a significant promise. Honoring your father and mother, a simple principle with a significant promise. And those of you who are guests this morning perhaps need to know that we are on a journey together through the book of Exodus. We have come now to this uh, incredible moment when God, for the first time, one of three times actually, uh, gives what we often call the Decalogue or the Ten Commandments to the children of Israel. And so we are studying these Ten Commandments. We have come now to verse 12, and we're going to stand together and read it in just a few moments as we think about this simple principle with a significant promise. You know, sometimes the most simple advice we receive has locked up within it the greatest potential, the greatest promise. Uh, some of you know that uh, due to our own family's double whammy in the spring, as a matter of fact, somebody said, Brother Tom, you ought to write a book about that. And I said, Gone with the Wind has already been written. Uh, <clears throat> but... Uh, uh, we're going to be in the process soon of building a new house. And one of the things that I'm going to be quick to uh, place in that new house of ours will be a wood shop. I grew up with a, uh, a wood shop in the home. That, I think my dad and mom put it there because I was needing to go to the woodshed an awful lot. But uh, I, my earliest memories of my relationship with my father or in the wood shop. My father is an expert wood craftsman, not just a, a carpenter, he is a craftsman, like his grandfather before him. My grandfather, uh, when he built things, he built things with the idea that they should last for an eternity. And so they had this sturdy look about them. My father it has a little bit more finesse. He has that same idea that it ought to be built to last, but he has a sense of the aesthetic and a sense of the artistic. And uh, I don't know that there's much of anything that my father could not craft out of wood. If it could be made, my dad uh, has the capacity to make it. He loves wood. I've seen him take a piece of wood and hold it and just uh, run his hand up and down the grain of it and hold it up to the light. And uh, you could just see the wheels turning in my dad's head as he thought, what could I make out of this? When I was a little boy, we had a... Uh, a rather large wood shop out in our backyard. I think they had made out of an old chicken coop. But uh, it was filled with tools, and, and I have memories of that even now. There was a window on the back. I don't know whether my dad deliberately left it unlocked or not, but there was a window on the back which I could raise and slip into it when my father and grandfather, who lived nearby us, were gone. And I would stand there in that wood shop, and I could almost, I almost have the... The, uh, the aroma, the smell of that shop. There was a kerosene stove there to keep us warm in the winter. There were sawdust, of course, on the floor. And uh, then there were the benches with all the tools. And there was the jointer and planer. And there was the table saw. And over in a corner was a jigsaw that was just my size and had a little, uh, little stool in front of it that I could stand up on and use. And, and then underneath uh, those uh, benches were these big chests in which were more tools, and down at the end of that room, there was a stack. I mean, this was, this was treasure to this boy. There was a stack of all the popular mechanics that my dad 
had uh, subscribed to and received over the years. And those, to me, the most wonderful thing in the world were to climb in that back room and find those popular mechanics and sit down on that wooden floor and thumb through those popular mechanics and see all these things that just make a, a boy's uh, heart, you know, go pity pat. I mean, I really, I really, in fact, my dad got a book for me, which I have to this day. It has been eaten away a little bit by the fire, but it's called The Boy Mechanic. And I remember thumbing through that book and thinking, those are all things that a boy could make. I love that wood shop. Now, why am I telling you about that? Because it was in that wood shop that I received a simple piece of advice which had locked up in it incredible potential, incredible promise. I can remember it distinctly. It was on a cold fall day. There was a little bit of frost on the window, and that little kerosene stove was beating back the cold. And, of course, there was the odor of kerosene in the, the air. And my grandfather was uh, down at one end of the workbench, and, and I was uh, standing up near the end where the, where the vice was. There was a door right there, and, and there was a large wood vice there. And my grandfather said to me, Tom, would you... Uh, would you get a certain kind of a tool? And I wasn't really sure what kind of tool he was talking about. He, whatever he was doing down there, he needed that kind of tool. And so I looked up here on the, on the rack where all these tools were. There was a leather belt, you know, and, and it had been uh, tacked to this uh, board. And inside the little loops were all these different tools. And, and I was looking up there trying to find, I'd put my hand on this tool, and then I'd put my hand on another tool. And then and he'd say, no, 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 it's this one down here. And I'd say, now what, what is it that you're wanting? And then my grandfather said, that's okay. I've already done what I need to do with this. And I turned around and he held up something. I think it was a screwdriver. He said, I've already done it with this. And then he said this, he said, um, I didn't use this tool, Tommy, because it was the tool I wanted. I used this tool because it was close at hand. And he said, Tommy, remember, that's the way God uses people. He doesn't necessarily always use those who are the most fitted for the job he wants done, but he always uses those people who are close at hand. And so he said, remember this, if you want to be used of God, remember to stay close to him. And if you ever feel like you're not being used of God, the answer is simple. Just get close to him again. Whom does God use? People who are close to him. And as a little grade school boy, I went out of that shop with that very simple piece of advice in which was locked incredible potential. A piece of advice that I would fall back on many, many times, and will, I'm sure, in the days ahead. Now, this morning, we're going to look at a, at a Bible promise. As a matter of fact, this commandment we're going to stand and read together is the first com of the Ten Commandments that has in it a promise. And so we're going to stand together and read this commandment to honor our father and mothers, a simple principle with a significant promise. Let's stand together, if we will, please. And you have your Bible open to Exodus chapter 20. And I'd like for us to read together aloud this 12th verse, verse 12. And you'll find it up on the screen, and so let's read it aloud together. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land 
which the Lord your God gives you. Let's read it again aloud together. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God gives you. Father in heaven, I pray, trusting that as your word is opened in these next few moments, and as your Holy Spirit speaks to our heart, that every one of us in this room, everyone watching on television, those listening on radio, Lord, my prayer is that each of us will have our hearts touched, our lives changed, that we would find ourselves being conformed to your image. And Lord, may we understand how in this simple principle there is significant, there is incredible power if we can just grasp it if we will just wrap ourselves around this truth this morning. And I pray these things in the wonderful, matchless, marvelous name of Jesus, who is our Lord and our Savior and the Master of our lives. Thank you. Be seated, please. But as you're doing so, of course, we want you to keep your Bible open. I want to make three statements this morning about this command. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God gives you. Statement number one, each of us, none of us is accepted, each of us is to honor or to show respect for our father and our mother. Now I know this morning that some people here are struggling with that because some of you have a relation that is distorted or twisted or troubled with your mother or with your father. There are some here perhaps who have been abused. Maybe you were physically abused. Maybe it wasn't physical. Maybe it was verbal and it lacerated your heart just as quickly as a knife could lacerate your skin. And so when this commandment is presented to you, and God says, this is a command, not a suggestion. This is a principle upon which I want you to build your life. Honor your father and your mother. You're saying, but surely there is an exception in there for me. Now, I'm not saying, nor is the Lord, of course, saying here, that everything that our parents have ever done is honorable. But the Scripture does say that we are to honor our father and our mother. In the book of Ephesians, Paul's letter to the Christians at Ephesus, he indicates to us that honoring our parents when we're children is to be shown by our obedience. As a matter of fact, verse 1 of chapter 6 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. For this is the first commandment, he says, that has a promise. And so I'm using, very carefully, I'm using this word, Respect. We are to have respect for our father and our mother. You say, but what if my dad did something terrible to me? What if my mother uh, ran off and left my father? What if the relationships between us are very strained? Well, those are issues the Lord will give you the grace to solve. And as I said, you know, it doesn't mean that everything they have done is something that you find pleasing or honorable. But remember this. 
that when you were a child, or those of you who may consider yourselves children, you're still living at home now, there are things that you do that are not particularly pleasing to your parents, but you still expect them to love you. Even though they may discipline you, you still want their love. You still would like for them to have some respect for you. So we're not saying that, that your parents always are without sin or without problems. But the scripture is unequivocating in this matter. That you are to honor your father and your mother. Now in the home as children, this begins with obedience, it begins with respect. Later on in life, as you may move out of the home, it means that you still have this sense of honor, this sense of respect. You may have come out then from under that kind of chain of command where you are bound to obey everything that your parents say, but yet you listen to the, their counsel, you listen to their advice, and you honor, you give respect to your father and your mother. Now this command, let me just hasten to say, this command places a tremendous burden upon the parents, not just upon the children. All of us here are children. Maybe your parents have already died, gone on to be the, with the Lord. Maybe you don't even know where a father who, who left your home and moved away, maybe you don't even know where he lives. Maybe you don't know where your mother lives. You are just assuming she's alive or, or he's alive. Maybe uh, their relationship brought to you tremendous pain, tremendous grief. Maybe uh, at a very vulnerable moment in your life they went through the fracturing of this marriage relationship. And so let me just speak to parents here for just a moment. This command places a tremendous burden upon you because there is a sense in which much of what children do is what they are taught to do by example or by precept. And so if they're going to honor you, let me just suggest three things for you. Number one, you need to be a person who, who develops respect in the heart of your children. Um... I, I cringe sometimes when I hear the way parents allow their children to talk to them. And, uh, and it doesn't receive some kind of discipline. And yet the parent turns and says, well, that's just, you know, my child has just turned that way. Well, then you need to turn the child the other way. Uh, the Bible says we're to train up a child in the way he should go. I mean, it involves discipline. Your job is not over until it's over. And so you're to develop respect in the heart of that child. By the way, you are also to demand respect. I think in my own home, when I was growing up, the quickest way for me to get in real trouble would be for me to have what we call then sassed one of my parents. My parents demanded respect. By the way, I was pretty pleased with the legislation that was passed recently in Louisiana, which says that in the classrooms, the public school classrooms now in Louisiana, it is required that you address adults with yes, sir, and no, sir, and yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. I think that's great. I think, huh, or yeah, or no, I think that's crude. I, I believe in the yes, sir, and no, sir, because you know what that says? That says, hey, I'm not the boss of this world. There are other authority figures in this world. I, as a matter of fact, believe as parents that uh, 
You ought to discourage your children from addressing other adults on a first-name basis. And by the way, let me say to other adults, I think you ought to discourage that addressing, being addressed on a first-name basis. I think there ought to be some sense of authority, some sense of, of demanding respect. But let me just hasten to say that while it's to be developed and while it's to be demanded, let me say, parents, here's the burden, it also should be deserved. It also should be deserved. You ought to be respected not just because you can clobber somebody who doesn't show you respect. You ought to be a respectable person. It's amazing to me how many parents are amazed at their children's lack of uh, discipline and their rebellion when in the reality of it, uh, all these children see in their parents' lives is disrespect and rebellion themselves. I remember some years ago I was pastoring a church in another town and um, in the middle of each Sunday morning service during baseball season, this man would stand up and he would take his young son and he would walk out the door, center aisle of this church. There were just a, two major sections in the center aisle of the church. He would stand up and he'd walk out the back door of the church. And so after this happened once or twice and they never came back, I assumed that he wasn't taking him out there, you know, to... to uh, you know, I didn't know what he was doing, but he never did come back. And I, so I, and I confronted the father about this, and I said, what, what is your, your uh, purpose here? He says, well, he said, um, we've, uh, we've signed him up for Little League Ball, and the games are played on Sunday morning, and we have to leave during the middle of the service in order for him to get there for the game. I said, I think you're making a terrible mistake. He said, well, you're not going to make him choose between church and, and ball. I said, no, he didn't have to choose that. You have made that choice for him. And you have chosen for him that church is worth walking out on, but ball is not. He said, I don't think that has anything to do with it. I said, well, let me ask you a question. How is it between you and your son at home? He said, well, I'm going to admit that we have struggles in our home. And uh, I said, over what? He said, well, he doesn't do all the things that I say. And I said, let me just tell you this. If you show disrespect for authority and irreverence for God and God's word, can you really fully expect your son to show respect for authority and reverence for God and God's word? And did you know that we had a big discussion there and he became extremely angry with me? And did you know that... Uh, I guess maybe he found a church where they, they either had services early or late. You know, the issue to me, well, I, in fact, I told him, I said, it'd be better for you not even to come than to come and walk out. Because it's not like you're coming and walking out to, you know, go save the world for, you know, sa save democracy or something like that. You're walking out to go feed a pleasure here. And um, so as we talked about that, uh, you know, he was, became very irascible and upset on another church later on lamented the fact that his son spent a good deal of time in jail as a matter of fact because somehow in his heart there never was developed that sense of respect for authority now let me say it again it ought to be developed it ought to be demanded but mom and dad it ought to be deserved don't give your child a lecture on the way to school about obeying authority while you tweak your fuzz buster. Boy, it's getting quiet in here. It's really, really quiet in here. 
you see, this issue of respect for authority is something that is, that is learned. Well let, well, let me ask you to put it down this way. Respect, this principle of respect should be taught and it should be sought. But most often, it is what? It is caught. The principle of respect for your parents, respect for authority, should be taught and it should be sought. But more often than not, it's really something that's caught, isn't it? It's something that's caught. Your children grow up watching you. Well, uh, if you're a child here, you say, well, my mom and my dad didn't teach me that, so I guess I'm not responsible. Wrong. You are responsible to God to do what? To honor your father and your mother. Each of us must do that. That's the first thing this commandment tells us this morning. All right, here's the second. Our adherence to this principle in the home prepares us to function effectively in the world. By the way, mom and dad, this is the reason it's so important for you to do this. So look at it again. Our adherence to this principle in the home prepares us to function effectively in the world. This is why, moms and dads, we say there's a tremendous burden on you for if you do not deal with the issue of respect and honor in your home, you're actually shortchanging. You are crippling your children as you send them into the world. You are sending them into the world ill-prepared to face the future. And so it's important for us to understand this. Honor your father and your mother. Now let me just mention some, some areas where honoring father and mother when you develop it and when you demand it and when you deserve it in the home, where it is not only taught and sought, but where it's caught in the home, as they see you honoring one another, loving one another as parents, and as they see you honoring other authority and, and showing respect for other authority as adults. Let me just show you some areas in which you are preparing your children for the future, all right? First of all, you're helping them to understand the principle of authority. You're helping them to understand the principle of authority. That you're not the boss of the world. I remember one of my, uh, I remember my son John saying to our daughter Amy one day, when Amy came by and says, Mom and Dad said that you need to do this, and he looked at her and said, You're not the boss of the world. Well, she may not have been, but boy, I tell you what, she had her parents behind her. And he discovered that uh, she might not have been the boss of the world, but somebody else was the boss of his world for that moment. We didn't have a wood shop or a woodshed, but we didn't need one. Uh, the whole principle of authority. The world works on the basis of authority. You see, the more the devil gets into the system, the more we talk about our rights and the fact that, that everybody is free to do everything they want to do. As a matter of fact, I was on a... Um, a PBS interview, I think it was the McNeil Learer Hour or something like that some time ago, and we were talking about this whole issue of authority. And, and uh, no, I'll tell you what, it was one of these uh, CNN uh, broadcasts, and we were talking about authority. And this, this uh, they had brought in somebody, you know, some lady that was uh, talking about, um, um, you know, the fact that we really ought to be free to do anything that we want to do. And I said, listen, uh, what, what are you trying to say? She said, well, I just think we ought to, Everybody ought to be able to do what they want to do. That's, that's the way the world really would operate smoothly. I said, let me tell you something, dear lady. If everybody in this studio could do what they want to do, you wouldn't even have a program to put on the air. I said, that man behind that glass 
room uh, behind that glass wall over there is in authority over you. Not because he's a better person than you necessarily, but because if you don't have somebody running the show, the show doesn't get on the air. War the world works on the principle of authority. And if you can't help children to understand that, if you don't learn that as a child, then you're going to have a hard time in the world. I'll guarantee you, you're going to have a tough time in the world. By the way, it also prepares you to learn. When you learn about authority, did you know that about 80 to 90% of education has to do with respect for authority? Did you know that? 80 to 90% of education has to do for respect for, uh, with respect for authority because if there's no authority in the classroom, then there's chaos, just as if there's no authority in a nation, there is anarchy. We have it like the book of Judges. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes, and there was what? There was chaos. And so in the classroom, if there's no respect, then I'll only believe you if you make sense, or I'll only believe you if you've got a stick big enough to beat me into the ground. I'm not going to respect you just simply because of your position. And so this whole world operates on that basis, firstly. Secondly, you can't really learn as you ought to unless you have respect for authority. By the way, there's something else. It will prepare you for the future. It will prepare you for the future. When you get out of the home, you're preparing your children. When they get out of the home to operate effectively. Parents who do not teach children the importance of honoring their parents, understanding authority, they are setting their children up for failure in the world. Just write it down. You say, well, man, my kids, they're sort of free spirits. Well, deal with it. My, that doesn't mean you ought to hammer them. doesn't mean you ought to break their spirit. But at some point, all of us need to understand that it's important to have our will broken, our will surrendered to God. By the way, there's another thing that this is going to help the children with, and that is going to help them understand uh, some principles they need to know about marriage. About marriage. If you leave a home where you do not honor your father and mother, where you and your father or your mother, whether you're a guy or a gal, and you leave home and there's a fractious relationship between you and both or one of your parents, you are going to have problems as a mate for someone. Because your family is the world in microcosm and your inability to live in peace and harmony with one family member means there's going to be a whole pie-shaped bunch of people out there in the world in the future that you're going to have a hard time living with. And the family is preparation. Your family is preparation for you to go have your own family. So write this down someplace in your Bible. By honoring your parents, you reveal a clear understanding of authority, you receive the protection which comes from remaining under it, you're best prepared for the future, and you're more suited for marriage. And if you don't teach your parents or your children to honor you, and children, if you don't honor your parents, then none of these promises can you claim. And so by honoring your parents, you reveal a clear understanding of authority. You receive the protection which comes from remaining under it. You become best prepared for the future and more suited for marriage. Now let's go to this last statement this morning. And I hope you'll nail this down someplace. We said that this is a simple principle with a significant promise. Well, here it is. Let's look at principle number three. By honoring your parents, 
You position yourself to fulfill life's three most meaningful goals. There are very meaningful goals that all of us have in life. And fulfilling these goals in some way is tied to this whole exercise of honoring your father and mother. As a matter of fact, I think you're going to find it very hard to meet and fulfill these goals if you do not honor your father and mother. And I realize that some of you may need to go home today, pick up the telephone and call a parent clear across the world and say, listen, I need to ask you to forgive me. I have not respected you. I have not honored you. I've been belligerent. I've been rebellious. I, and I'm not asking for you to, to smooth it over. I'm just telling you I need you to forgive me. I want to honor you with the rest of the life that God gives me. And some of you need to leave this room and go to your parents when this service is over. Maybe your parents are in this room with you. Maybe one of the last things that escaped out of your mouth when you got out of the car was some fractious statement. There was dissension. There was tension in the air in the car. And you tumbled out of one door and sulked off, stomped off, and they went in another direction. And there is a problem between you. You need to get this solved. You need to go to your children, you need to go to your parents, and you need to understand that there is locked up in this very simple principle the potential for achieving your life's three most significant goals. Now, what are they? First of all, strength. He says, honor your father and mother that your days may be long upon the land. Strength. That is that you have the ability, that you have the power to accomplish. I'm going to give you time, God says, to do my will because you're going to bring yourself under the protection of your parents when you're a child and because you understand the principle of authority later on when you're an adult and you're out in the world, I'm going to give you strength. Now, I realize things happen. There are wonderful people who do everything right and calamities and crises and tragedies occur. But could I just tell you uh, the testimony of a, of a preacher who has been pastoring now for 37 years. I have found that generally, in fact, I, can, I really can't think of an exception. So as far as I can remember right now, Everyone whom I've ever known to live a long and fulfilling life was a man or woman who practiced this principle of honoring mother and father. I have never met anyone who in the last years of their life said my life is wonderful and fulfilling and God's given me strength and I hated my parents. I never got along with my parents. My parents are really... I've never met anyone like that. I've met some people who hardly even remember their parents, who scarcely... who could say that in the early years of their life, their parents may have done something that was devastating to them. But somehow, in order to have strength for the journey, they had to come to peace with that. And they had to get before God with that and learn how to forgive... Forgiving doesn't mean you approve of the sin, but they had to learn how to forgive and let God deal with the bitterness in their heart because bitterness will take you to an early grave. Bitterness will make your life miserable. 
And when you learn to honor your father and your mother, one of the promises are that your days may be long. One of the promises is the promise of strength. A second promise that will be fulfilled is the promise of stability. Stability. That your days may be long in the land. People who do not learn this principle and apply it are as unstable as the clouds or as water. I've seen this replicated in family after family after family. Here is someone who doesn't honor his parents. He goes off and gets married to get out of the home. She goes off and gets married because she wants to be away from mother, wants to be away from dad. Pretty soon they are at each other's throats just like mother, their mother and dad was. He's standing with his hand on his hip saying, you're just like your mother. And she, oh man, she said, just like my, I hated my mother. I didn't like my mother. I don't want to be like my mother. And then there are problems and they move from pillar and post. People like this can't seem to hold a job for very long. They don't stay in any place for very long. There is no stability to their lives. They're running from one relationship to the other. They are looking for something. And you know what they're looking for? They're looking for something that they can only find when they resolve the conflict between them and their parents. Stability. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land. And finally, the promise of stewardship. You say, I never thought of that as being much of a goal. Listen to this. In the land which the Lord your God gives you. In the land which the Lord your God gives you. In other words, God is somehow saying, I'm going to tie my willingness to entrust you with resources to your understanding and application of this principle. I'm going to bless you with an incredible land. But let me just tell you something. You're not going to enjoy it. You're not going to appreciate it unless you learn to honor your father and your mother. And I have just discovered over the years, I've, I've had the privilege of knowing individuals to whom God seems to have, to whom God seems to have entrusted incredible resources. And they somehow have been good stewards. They have been good managers of those resources. And when you talk to them, you will discover these are people who learn to honor their father and mother. I'm thinking of a man right now whose parents lived in a shotgun house in another state. And I heard this man tell me, he said, one day I went by to see my dad. And he said, I saw him in the back room. He was standing, he was looking the other way. And for the first time in my life, I saw him he was growing old. And then he told me how he had shared the gospel in a letter with his father, and his father had trusted Jesus. But he honored his father. He honored his mother to the day of her death. I can name you any number of people. There are people in this auditorium this morning. I know God has blessed you. He's entrusted resources to you. But as I talk with each one of you, I find this. You have honored your parents. Sometimes I'll meet somebody who has 
seemingly got it all together and, and it seems like they have been blessed, let's say financially, but if in their heart there is this seed of disrespect for authority, this seed of rebellion, it's going to be easy come, easy go, I promise you. You blink your eyes, it'll be gone. Because people who don't understand authority, God's authority, God's plan for the family, people who don't understand that may be clever, they may be conniving, they may figure out a way to get it, but they don't know what to do with it once they got it. They can't handle it right because it didn't honor their father and their mother. And honoring our parents means more than going up and patting them on the shoulder and saying, I love you, Dad, I love you, Mom. By the way, that wouldn't hurt. There's some parents in this auditorium this morning who have never heard you say that. Look them right in the eyes and not saying it as an offhand, oh yeah, it's Dad's day, I love you, Dad. You're a great day. But never had you sit down with them, look them in the eyes and say, Mom, Dad, I really love you. No expressions. That, so that wouldn't hurt. And it wouldn't hurt for you as parents to do that with your children. And some of you have parents who are around the world someplace, another state, another country, who have not heard that from you in a long, long time. So that wouldn't hurt. But honoring them means more than saying, hey, I love you. Honoring them means that you put your parents in your life where God has put your parents. Where God wants on the, on the pedestal, God wants them to be upon. Doesn't mean everything they did was right. That would be impossible. But it means that you and I are to honor our father and our mother. A very simple promise or a principle with a significant promise. Father in heaven, as we have looked at your word this morning, our prayer is that you would find our hearts going out to you. Lord, there may be some who this very morning need to go to a mother, to a father, come to this altar, to a son or daughter, and come to this altar and say, look, I want to just nail it down here. I want to just seal, settle it. I want to just seal it right here. But Father, there are myriads of ways that you may want us to put this principle into practice in our lives. Show us how, dear Lord. And now, Father, we come to this invitation time. I pray for the unsaved, those who've never trusted Jesus, those who would go to hell if they died because they have not received Christ by faith, trusting in him as their Savior, repenting of sin. Lord, I pray you would bring them to the altar to say yes to you. I pray you would bring to this altar those who would join this church, become a part of this family. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. In just a few moments, we're going to stand. Our choir is going to help us by singing a song of invitation. You'll be joining in with that song. This is your invitation to say yes to Christ. I cannot help believe in a crowd this size, there are always many people who do not know for sure if you died, you'd go to heaven. You want to, you'd hope to, you'd like to, you'd guess you would, but you don't know for sure that you'd go to heaven when you died. And you want to settle that issue. You can. The Bible says these things are written unto those who believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Would you like to know that? Then I would encourage you to come to this altar this morning. There will be counselors here. They'll talk with you, pray with you. You see, all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of our sin is death, eternal separation from God in a place the Bible calls hell. But there's a gift. The gift of God's eternal life. 
Because you see, Christ also once suffered for sin, the Bible says, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. That's why he was put to death on the cross, but made alive in the Spirit. And that's why John says, as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them who believe on his name. And Jesus said, you see, it's this way. I am the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father but by me. But you can come to the Father through Jesus. And so your coming this morning will be your indication. I'm trusting in Jesus today. I'm trusting in Jesus today. These counselors are here. You may just want to take them by the hand when they come and just say, look, I'm trusting in Jesus today. That's why I'm coming. Just say that to one of these counselors. I'm trusting in Jesus. It could be that you need to come to this altar, speak to a counselor because God has brought your family or you as an individual, a family of one. God has brought you to this church and you know this is where you belong. This ought to be your church family. You may be here for the first time this morning. You may have visited many times. But God's been speaking to you to, about that. And so this morning is the morning of decision. Your coming is going to encourage others to come and make decisions for Jesus. And so you don't want the delay. So I would encourage you when we stand and I say amen to the prayer and when the choir begins singing, you just step to the aisle. In fact, as a part of the act of standing, I want to encourage you just to step to the aisle, start making your way forward. You'll be joining others. Prayer warriors will be coming. These who are coming to trust Jesus will be coming to join with those of you who will come to join this church. There are others who will come to this altar to pray and say, Lord, you've, you've shown me something this morning I need to do, and I'm at this altar to ask you to give me the grace to do it. And then I'm going to ask those who have joined our church in recent days, such as those who are baptized, you'll want to come and be seated over here to your right where it says seating for new members so we can introduce you at the close of this service. This is your invitation. And as I said, I want to encourage you the moment you stand to start making your way to Christ. So let's stand right now. Father in heaven, I pray, trusting your Holy Spirit will bring many to this altar this morning. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's begin singing. Folks are already coming. That's it. The Ron Dunn Podcast is available only for personal edification, not to be duplicated, uploaded to the web, or resold without prior written consent. It is managed and operated by Sherwood Baptist Church. If you would like to listen to additional Ron Dunn messages, visit SherwoodBaptist.net slash bookstore and search Ron Dunn. For more Ron Dunn materials, including sermon outlines, devotions, and scanned pages from a study Bible, please visit RonDunn.com.